My grandfather used to set watches and clocks for the stations. When he was at home, he repaired pocket watches. And as a three-year-old child, I still remember putting my hand in the box containing all these pocket watches. And I took great pleasure in definitively dismantling them by pulling on the balance spring and imagining that it would coil up of its own accord, which obviously didn't happen. My name is Joël Duval. I'm a watch enthusiast who buys models and subsequently endows them with some kind of logical reason for being part of the collection. Zenith is one of the most emblematic watch brands embedded in the history of Swiss heritage. The history of Zenith's wonderful history begins in the middle of the industrial era in 1865, when Georges Favre Jacot created this manufacture in Le Locle and became one of the first to successfully organize the full range of watch production stages under a single roof. Production not only relates to the movement, but the case and dials as well, and having everything take place under one roof in Le Locle was thus quite a new concept at least in the watch industry. El Primero is a movement that has acquired senior status in watchmaking history due to a sense of having been around before many others. Creating a movement in 1962, marketing it seven years later and still having it as a bestseller in 2019 is still quite unique among watch manufacturers. High frequency is a long-standing part of Zenith's history. From the late 19th century onwards, Zenith began taking part in precision competitions aimed at demonstrating the superiority of certain brands over others. Zenith thus devoted a great deal of time to this theme, and in the 1950s, a watchmaker named Ephraim Jobin, who had become an iconic figure for the brand, created a movement called Caliber 135. This became a kind of competition beast, enabling Zenith to win five competitions in a row between 1955 and 1960. The Zenith teams who prepared the watches for the competitions consisted of chronometer makers who began asking themselves whether raising the frequency of the movement from 18,000 to 36,000 vibrations an hour would improve the final accuracy. Various tests were carried out on different calibers, which are now part of the Zenith heritage, featuring a frequency of 36,000 vibrations per hour, 36,010 or 12 years before El Primero was born. Everyone, including at least 15 well-established watch manufacturers, began making quartz watches. Well, Zenith decided to fit its high-frequency caliber to a chronograph movement and to develop the product for commercial purposes, becoming the only manufacturer to install the Klinergic escapement, serving to achieve high frequency on a chronograph. The other brands making three-hand watches soon realized that the problem with this high frequency 
was premature aware of both the movement as well as the movement lubricants, which ended up spilling onto parts of the movement and impairing the running of watches. As a result, finally, everyone stopped the high frequency, except for Zenith, which stayed the course and devised a dry lubrication system that avoided lubricant splashing onto other parts. This dry lubrication system gave the El Primero movement a huge commercial future, since 50 years later, we are still wearing El Primero. It's 1969, the year of countless discoveries and advances, free, creative, and carefree. From the first step on the moon to the legendary Woodstock Festival and the creation of the mythical El Primero, Zenith's unparalleled movement, 69 will forever remain engraved in human hearts as the beginning of a never-ending story entirely founded on audacity. You're listening to El Primero Stories, the movement podcast. Fifty years after the creation of the El Primero movement, we take a look at this epic year. January 10th, 1969. A date for the history books. The day the manufacturer Zenith presented its El Primero, the world's first integrated high-frequency automatic chronograph, and thus kicked off an exceptional watchmaking year, which saw two competing brands follow up with a presentation of their own model. While Zenith was the quickest off the mark, it was also the one whose announcement made its mark on collective memory, because the manufacturer explained the characteristics of its chronograph in terms of merging two watches into one. A high-frequency automatic watch with calendar, along with a chronograph enabling tenth-of-a-second-time measurement. The press, impressed by such a novelty, picked up the event and gave this world-first front-page coverage. 1969 was also a year of conquests, as the whole world held its breath and dreamed of the stars, thanks to the first lunar space mission, probably the event of the century. One small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. The event is forever embedded in human history. There were in fact four Apollo missions. While the Apollo 11 mission sent men to the moon, there had already been two other missions since January 1st and another was to follow the mission led by Neil Armstrong. In 1969, the world turned its eyes to the sky. An Allende meteorite, initially weighing nearly 30 tons, crashed on February 8th in an uninhabited area of northern Mexico. It was part of a dream of remote space beyond the reach of human beings, but it could have fallen anywhere. The story of the first Concorde supersonic civil aircraft is almost concomitant with that of El Primero. The project, also launched in 1962, resulted in a first test flight on March 2, 1969. The aircraft entered the realm of the supersonic on October 1, 1969, during its 45th flight. It put Geneva within 37 minutes of Paris. Time became a more relative factor, effectively shortened by fast travel. On February 9th, the largest airliner ever built, the Boeing 747 jumbo jet, made its first test flight in the United States. Nothing seemed beyond reach. The scientific target of the Russians was Venus. Two Russian probes, Venera 5 and Venera 6, entered the atmosphere of Venus after five months of travel. They were destroyed before they could land. This mission did not go down in history, and yet it was a huge achievement. 
In the same year, the U.S. Air Force commissioned the first Lockheed C-5 Galaxy, the world's largest aircraft able to carry up to 450 tons of equipment. Thus, 1969 was a year of creation, a year in which humankind excelled and its knowledge enabled it to take giant steps that enriched its past and lit up its future. Bringing people closer by airborne means was not confined to aeronautics. The Internet did not yet exist, but the Americans were already working on communication systems that preceded it. With ARPANET, Advanced Research Projects Agency Network, a system based on the transfer of digital data packets via the telephone network. The Unix operating system was created, foreshadowing the future of IT. The year also saw the birth of Time Master Champions. On January 10th, German racing driver and seven-time Formula One world champion Michael Schumacher was seven days old. He was not yet even driving his cradle. David Duyer, a French judo champion, was born a little later on February 17th, and French motorcyclist Jean-Michel Ball on April 1st. The mood of the moment was about going further, higher, and faster. Jackie Stewart won the Formula One World Championship at the wheel of a Matra Ford. This conquest of time was accompanied by another scientific revolution, one in which life won over disease. On April 4th in Houston, Texas, Dr. Denton Cooley transplanted a plastic temporary heart into a patient awaiting a new heart. This first entirely transformed cardiac transplant surgery. Where is creativity amid all this? The notion of the four lads from Liverpool must ring a bell. 1969 was the year the Beatles recorded Don't Let Me Down. Other titles followed, including Something or Come Together. The Fab Four made the whole world sing. Barry Ryan released Eloise, and the Rolling Stones scored a hit with Honky Tonk Woman. Held in August, the Woodstock Festival would be remembered for at least three generations. Cinema was not to be outdone. Costa Gavras's Z, Lucino Visconti's The Damned, and Dennis Hopper's Easy Rider attracted large audiences. James Bond starred in Her Majesty's Secret Service. Francois Truffaut's film La Sirene du Mississippi lit up screens. Not to mention fashion, which also played a massive role in 1969. Close your eyes and remember bell-bottom trousers, long hair, and disco vibes. The world was on the move, and the year also saw many events in Africa and Brazil. This was the beginning of disarmament negotiations between the United States and the Soviet Union, SALT. In January 1969, Richard Nixon moved into the White House and replaced Lyndon Johnson. Watergate began four months later. On January 28th, California was the scene of a huge oil spill. Senator Ted Kennedy survived a car accident when Apollo 11th was ordered out of Houston. There were huge protests in the U.S. against the war in Vietnam. The Netherlands extended its territory by literally gaining ground on the sea. Willy Brandt was elected federal chancellor in Germany, and the death penalty was abolished in the United Kingdom. A pivotal year in the history of humankind. The world was calling for change, for a social revolution. It was a watershed in the history of Zenith as well as yet unaware that it was now in possession of the movement that would take the manufacture through to at least the 21st century. Today, at 50 years young, El Primero continues to convey all the modernity it embodied at the time of its birth, naturally also evoking a certain sense of nostalgia for the passing of time. 
to which it bears constant and loyal witness. Thank you very much to all of you for listening to this El Primero Movement story, a podcast which has been dedicated to movement excellence. My name is Julien Tornard, and I'm the CEO of Zenit. Like you, we are all sharing passion about watches, passion about watchmaking, and I think all these stories that you've been listening to are basically great examples of sharing this fantastic passion. We have been celebrating this year the 50th anniversary of one of the most, if not the most important movement in the watch industry, called the El Primero, a legendary movement created in 1969. All over the year, we've been around the world to celebrate this movement with different friends and aficionados of our brand and sharing this passion. So I'm very happy that you could hear all these interesting stories about the brand, including Charles Vermeaux's story, which is a man I want to celebrate, especially this year for this anniversary. I'm also looking forward to being with you in the next episode and to share more adventures about watchmaking and about El Primero. Thank you. <laughs>